We are on. Welcome. Thank you. Podcast. Thank you for having me. What's what's the podcast name? What what, what am I on? UHP Podcast. UHP Podcast. You are. Hey, Bella Vista. Oh, yeah. We've got to say thank you to Bella Vista. I got in trouble one time. Bella Vista Podcast. Hills Podcast. Hills Podcast Studio. Thanks for letting thank us Thank you use very this. much. Yeah, this is epic. Yeah. Uh, if we could grab a bottle of wine off the, the wall, you know, yeah. we could we could cheers. But maybe maybe another time. Yeah, they look they look full, but I don't know if there's water in there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe part two. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> stay tuned. And they've upgraded these lights as well, so mm. that's pretty cool. They did say turn this on. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's on. Oh, it's on? Yeah, oh, that's now on. it's on. Okay. That's on. Yeah, now it's officially on. I just turned it off, but now it's on. All, All right. right. So what we'll run through first, I think, is a bit of a background, get to know. We can go back as far as you want, like maybe if you're still gym-related. doesn't have to be fully gym-related, but hey, you were as a kid, through school, All after right. school, then okay. to now. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, I'm, first of all, I'm going to move and find a comfortable seat. So there's oh, yeah. no creaking in the background because I can hear my chair. Yeah, see? <laughs> Need some WD-40. <laughs> yeah. Sponsored by WD-40. No, I don't think I can say that. Um, yeah, backstory. All right. Um, well, it all started, I'd say, when I was around nine years old. Um, you know, I was like every other kid playing soccer, mm. riding BMX bicycles around <laughs> the suburbs. Um, and, yeah, then I started dancing. Um, from there, I... Got into dancing pretty heavily. Went to a performing arts high school. And um, there, yeah, I started sort of training more heavily. More more into dancing, more into ballet, more into contemporary jazz, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and that was McDonald College, which I went to. Is that uh, a school? Yeah, it's in North Stratfield. Still like a dance school that still educates or just dancing? And you did school elsewhere? No, no. So it's a, a, a holistic school. They do everything. They yeah educate and then also do for performing arts, but it's not just dancing. They do acting, they do music, um, dancing, ballet, musical theatre. They, like, really cater to everything, even art. So, yeah, a really fantastic place for me to, like, you know, grow my skills, sort of collaborate with other artists that are learning, you know, their skill and growing up through that that sort of phase. But I was never, um, I was never like, really school-focused. I was just there for a good time, I wanted to dance, I want to have a good time with friends and then see what else, you know, was out there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my thing, plotting along, doing dancing. So that was nine and then when did you go to this school? So I started dancing like when I was nine. I went to this school when I was 12 to 13, so grade seven. I did my primary school at one, one public school yep. right next to my house, uh, the local uh, and then, yeah, shipped out to North Stratfield every day from grade 7 to grade 11. How long did it take to get there? Oh, it was like three hours. That's it, crazy. They're in? Oh, like t- together. Mm. One and a half hours there. Wake up like 6 a.m., catch a bus from Blacktown, go from Blacktown all the way to Stratfield, change trains from Stratfield to go to North Stratfield. Wow. Was, yeah, there were some people coming even further from me. Like I thought I was far, and then I found out there was like some people traveling from the Blue Mountains every day just so they could come to school. I was like, that's dedication. So you had like a lot of people coming from a lot of different places. What, like two hours or three hours in? Yeah, two hours, three hours in, and then two hours, three hours back. And, you know, we'd be there. School starts at what? 8.40? I remember 8.40. So they'd go on the train at five. Yeah. Imagine that. But, you know, we were, we were living our passion. You know, yeah. we were working towards living our passion. So, so that must be one of the best 
schools for that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And I, I'd never, f- I'd never found a school. I did a couple of auditions at a few different places. It was like that one or Newtown Performing Arts High School. But McDonald College was the one that, you know, I just gravitated towards. And yeah, my parents were like, all right, go for gold. So yeah, I was training there, doing jazz, hip hop, that sort of dancing first. And then I transitioned over to ballet and contemporary in grade 10. So from grade 10 to grade 11, I did two years of like intense ballet training, training that I'd never really done. To put it into like layman's terms, what I was doing was more like a school structure of learning ballet, which yeah. is like a, um, a repertoire came from England. It's called RAD, Royal Academy of Dance. But what was being offered at my school was more on stage professional type training. So not as rigid, not as rigid, but yeah, not as sort of scheduled as what RAD was, it was a bit more free. It's a lot of different types of training. So I got to experience training from Russia. I got to experience training from America. I got to experience training from England. So I had a whole very different type type of training. Um, I got to my final year at high school and I was looking to train a little bit more. So more professionally. So I went to a two week summer program um, and there was this guy there that had just started a new training, new training school. It's like, I really want you. I was like, great, I'm leaving school. I needed someone to go train. You're the guy that, you know, is just, and I had a lot of, I have a lot of different stories like this, but yeah, he just came into my life at the right point yeah. and gave me what I needed. So I was like, yeah, let's go, let's train. So I did that for a year and a half. And that was probably one of the hardest periods of like training and like just daily routine life I think I've ever had to go through. Um, just Why is that? Like, is it every day or is it five days? Or? Yeah, no, it was five days a week. So I would do Monday to Friday. A lot of people would do like Monday to Saturday, but I was like, I need my weekends. Mm. <laughs> but it was Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Every day? Every day for a year and a half. Wow. Training. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. I mean, I, I was already doing school from 8.40 until about 5 p.m., sometimes even like 6 or 7 p.m., but that would include me doing school subjects as well as training all in one day, but this was just. So at school, did you have lunch or you just kept dancing? No, no, I would <laughs> imagine I'm just dancing while eating lunch at the yeah. same time. <laughs> no, I would have lunch. It would be it'd be like a normal school day. You know, I'd go to yeah. go to my break room, go do like what was I doing? Like English, I'd go dance for three three hours, come back and do PDHP sports science, and then go dance for the rest of the day because I wasn't really doing much much subjects. Um, I was like, all I want to do is keep training, keep pushing as hard as I can so I can eventually leave, audition, go overseas and, you know, start a ballet career. Um, so, yeah, I was doing distance education whilst I was doing this pre-professional training. That's what it was. Um, and, yeah, that, again, I just got exposure to a lot of different types of trainings um, from a lot of different people who were trained all over the world. So some people that had danced in the Netherlands, some people that had danced in Egypt, some people that had danced here in Australia, and it was just a mixture of a whole bunch of different stuff. So what's good about dancing in the Netherlands and Egypt? They just have different styles um, of training. That it, it's, it's, like hearing, it's like hearing something from someone and then hearing something from someone else and that making sense more than hearing it the first uh, time. Yeah. So it's just a different perspective and, and different techniques that they use within ballet to then make you know, the art form itself. 
So, yeah, I was getting a lot of different influences from a lot of different people. So my training was very varied, very international, which I liked because then it makes you a little bit more of a chameleon when you go and audition. You can sort of change, not change, but you can see how other people dance and what styles they like and then you can sort of change your dancing to, to that. So you have to dance with people? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, definitely. And is that why you'd have to change it or you mean what the – like? Criteria was looking for. Yeah, no, what they were like sort of looking for. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're always dancing. I mean, when you're auditioning for places, you're just auditioning for yourself. But then, you know, you go into dancing with other people um, as well, like when you join the company. So I guess then my story was I trained, yeah, for a year and a half pre-professionally. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go to South Africa and join a company for three months. Um, one of the teachers that was teaching me at this school her elder brother, principal dancer, since he was like 21 in England, which is like a feat amazing upon itself. Um, he was the ballet master, so one of the top sort of senior management level people in the company. At 21? No, no. So now he's like, well, at that age, he was 39. Okay. So he was still dancing at like 39. Just, wow. Yeah. Hard just, out? Yeah, a whole hard out. Yeah, he like dislocated his, his back like a couple of times. Man, this guy was a machine. Like, still is to the day, but yeah. Absolute machine. Um, shout out, Michael. You're a real one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got that opportunity. So I wanted to leave and I wanted to audition. She, again, silver platter. Like I just, I just it's very, um, I feel very, very humbled um, to have had that opportunity because a lot of people, you know, they go for years and years and years and they try and audition and they do the freelance sort of style of working and just build up, build up, build up, and then they finally get a break. But I got a break straight out of training, which is, like, amazing. Yeah. Still, still like, you know, I still had to send over an audition tape, so I had to video myself dancing. Still had to send that over. They still had to look at me, judge me, and then say yes or no. But they said yes. I went over um, to join the Joburg Ballet at, like, yeah, 18. I was just – I just turned 18. Um, went over to do a three-month stint, so I just had, like, a three-month contract – Finished that and basically got a two-year contract off the back of that to come back to South really? Africa. Yeah, it was, it was wild. I had no idea that I would stay f for as long as I did and I had no idea that I would get the opportunity to dance there straight after doing this. For two years? Well, that was the first contract. I ended up staying there for four and a half years in total. Really? Yeah, yeah, four and a half You're years. You were in South Africa for that long? Yeah, Joburg. Four and five more months and I could have been a, a citizen, but, you know, staying true to Australia. Seeing, seeing what other opportunities are out there for me in the future. Wow, I did not know that. Really? I didn't even know that that happened. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Four and a half years I lived in Joburg. Got to travel. So yeah. how long ago did you come back? I came back, well, it's a bit of an interesting story, but I came back and started living in Australia properly um, at the beginning of 2020, just when COVID had like broke out. March, March 17th, 2020 is when I flew back into Australia. That was when it was at its peak, right? Yeah, it was just, it was peaking hard. Like America was going absolutely crazy. Like a month before it all started breaking out, I was in New York. Like I was in New York. I was in Penn, Pennsylvania as well, like in New Jersey. Um, yeah, it was going absolutely crazy. Well, and, and you were there where the hotspot was. I was in Arizona at that point when it all when it was going like nuts. I was in Arizona. I was with some friends, which, like just taking a holiday. I was taking off some time. And then, yeah, I had to fly back home because well, there was a <laughs> worldwide virus pandemic going on. Um, and yeah, I had to, had to come home. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So they said instruct everyone just to go home? Well, I mean, America didn't care. America wanted well, anyone. But I, I was like, I need to come home. Yeah. So So you didn't get locked out and stuff? No, no. Luckily, luckily, I came back. I think I came back and then two days later, they made everyone go into um, hotel quarantine. It was like mandatory to go into hotel quarantine. But I, yeah, I came back like two days just before. So my parents had taken their room, their ensuite bathroom, um, basically turned it into like a, an Airbnb. Like I was, I was living like a king. I had like a mini fridge. I had a microwave. Well, they isolated you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, I, yeah you might have it. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, oh, you don't know. And I was like, oh, guys, I feel fine. And they're like, oh, you, the rules. So you had to stay in there. And then I'd like give them, you know, uh, like I'd text my mom and be like, oh, please make me grilled cheese sandwich and some chocolate milk. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to milk this for as much as I can. So yeah, it was great. But um, I know it, it, it like. Wait, so you hadn't seen them for four years? No, so I had seen them. They flew over um, to come visit me in South Africa. They did like a holiday as well. Um, and I'd come back to Australia, I think, twice within that period, maybe three times. I can't really remember. Um, so I had seen them like throughout that period. Um, but there was like a two-year period where I stayed in South Africa. Like I didn't see anyone for like two years. And like, I was like... Are you in the Sahara? Like in the... <laughs> not, not Sahara. Like in the... The like jungle in the jungle? Stuff? Nah, nah, nah. I was in civilization. I was in. Civilization. Okay. I lived right across from my work for a while, uh, but now I stayed in Johannesburg. Um, and yeah, just basically lived out of lived out of Joburg. Our studio and our theater was in Johannesburg as well. They were like connected, so yeah. our theater and studio were together. So yeah, I was just training in in Joburg every day. You like South Africa? It's a great place. I would recommend everyone to go to South Africa to experience it firsthand. So there's so many different things that you hear about, so many different places, you know. Anywhere that you go, oh, don't go to that part of Italy, you know, they'll you know, steal stuff out of there. Oh, don't go to that part of South Africa. Everywhere is dangerous. Like, there are even parts in Australia where you're like, well, don't go there at night time because yeah. it's dangerous. You just got to be smart. You just got to, you know, if you have a crowd or you, you know, know people in the area, then if they give you, like, you know, their tips, then it's fine. You can be safe. I never had an incident in South Africa the four and a half years that I was there. The only thing that ever happened to me was my house got broken into. Um, and yeah, that was it. No one was home. No one was injured. Everyone was safe. So but that happens in Australia. So Happens in Australia. Happens everywhere. So yeah, yeah South Africa is great. Joburg is, is a big bustling like city. Um, a lot of business, not as beautiful as other parts of South Africa. Like Cape Town is like to die for gorgeous. Like mm. to die for. It's so pretty got the mountains you've got the beach like you could do everything it's basically like if sydney was a little bit better <laughs> yeah that's what cape town is um so yeah i would recommend to go there just to experience like the culture the people like different sort of lifestyle it's um it's very humbling to live in a place like that because you do see um the first you know the first world and the third world like living side by side a lot like very very it's very in your face you'll see like a gated community beautiful golf, golf course all green and then like a couple kilometers or just on the other side of the road it's like a full township and there's people living in like you know yeah just very well, like shanties and stuff sort of yeah yeah sort oh, yeah. of like a favela type style but they call them townships yeah um yeah townships in in, in south africa so yeah wow. it's it's, a, it's an interesting place but yeah it's gorgeous food is gorgeous parties are wild um, are they oh yeah yeah why they just like to party just like to have a jive, good time. Get do they drink there? Oh yeah. Oh they do. Oh yeah, they love they love their beers. They love their they love everything over. Well, they South get Africa. drunk. Oh yeah. 
I time. thought people only do that in Australia. Nah, nah. Everyone gets drunk. Uh, South, do they? Af- South Africans could probably rival Australia as being like pretty big drinkers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty hard. Chewies. Chewies? Chewies. Uh, oh, Chewy. <laughs> I thought you said Chewies. I was like, what's a Chewy? I've nah. never had a Chewy before. Chewy, that. No, no, I know what a Chewy is. Shout out Daniel Ricardo if you're listening. Sad day, but yeah, I'll do a shoey for you. <laughs> he's just retired from F1. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Did he do shoeys? He's like the king of shoeys. Oh, really? Yeah, Danny Rick. Uh. Oh, if you ever get him on this podcast. Ooh. I mean, his fee's pretty expensive, but... Uh, would you come on? What, would well? I come on? Oh, bro, I'll, I'll be here like dusting his shoes if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, whatever you need, Danny Rick. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'll, I'll come on for sure. I've got some questions about Formula One that I'd love to ask him. Yeah. Um. So you came back from COVID. Yeah. Well, not, you didn't get it, but... Oh, you did, but... Well, I did eventually, but that was... Yeah. And me having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, good good party when I got COVID. It's all good. But, um, yeah, no, so I came back. I came back originally because I was in the US when, before COVID, um, like whilst COVID was happening. So I came back from South Africa because um, I was, like, done company life for a while. I want to try freelancing. And I always wanted to go to Europe or America. Um... So I was like, let me try America first, see how I like it. And then if I can continue getting jobs and work from there and then I can send stuff over to Europe. That's generally how ballet dancers go when they're not in a company. If you're not have like, when you're in a company, it's like a nine to five job. You're getting paid, you've got, you know, all the benefits sometimes. Um, and that's your daily work. But if you're not employed by a company and you're just doing season to season, um, then you've, you've got to keep like on your toes. You've just got to keep sending out stuff for auditions, networking, trying to do performances and just continue to make your living whilst yep. you do that. And then also if you need to do side hustles, like a lot of ballet dancers when they're doing that, they're hot, like working at a, a restaurant or at a cafe or they're doing some other job to fuel, you know, what they really want to be doing. Yeah. So I was like, let me do America. Let me let me try and go to America. So I used to work just down the road at um, Hills Lodge. I worked, yeah, I worked there f- as a waiter um as a bartender and i would do like uh, i do events as well so oh, wow. yeah i I'd, I'd worked in hospitality before like when i first got a job i worked at a pizza place with my best mate and we just never did any work it was fantastic uh, for the <laughs> uh, boss uh, well the, it was like they just started so the boss was the delivery driver as well as the store manager wow. so he would just leave. That's random. And we would just like make pizza and then eat it. And then he'd come back and we'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we made some sales. And we like ordered, but we'd just be chowing, eating pizzas. It was terrible. <laughs> but it was so good. We were like 15, 16. What, what else were you going to do? You Did you put on weight? I was still dancing at that point. So oh. I was just like fueling, yeah. fueling the body. It was just burning it off as I was doing it. So Wait, 15, 16, but COVID was before that. Yep. Wait, after that? Yeah, after that, after that. No, no, this is, this is like back when I... First got my job. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so, so I left South Africa, came back to Australia, worked here for I think six or seven months, saved up money, went to America, um, joined a company over there, networked a bit, um, joined another company, did so two performances whilst I was in America, first in Connecticut and then down in New Jersey. Um, and then that season ended... And I was trying to get another placement somewhere else. Um, but then COVID happened. So I was like, well, I'm going to go home because I don't want to be stuck in America. Um, I'm seeing the news. I saw the case numbers just like skyrocket. And I was like, I do not want to be stuck here. 
in America, like no job, no house, no source of income. I was like, let me just go back home. So yeah. then that's why I came back. Um, and yeah, it was as everyone did. Like we all experienced this, we still are experiencing it, but we all experienced this massive shift in just like day-to-day routine, day-to-day yeah. life, you know. Um, it was just very, it's very intrusive. It just shook everyone. And I feel like that if those effects are still being dealt with and we're still trying to understand like how we can live in a world of this craziness yeah you know, like how fragile we are but yeah i sort of at that point i was like i don't know if dancing is still going to be my my everyday because there's no industry at the moment like there's no entertainment there's no shows um so let me try and do something else did marketing or saw marketing and anyone can basically learn how to market know become a marketer um, and sell um, so luckily I got a placement at a, a startup that had just you know begun to find digital real ones <laughs> Ooh. yeah yeah it was good um, my mate put me onto them they had an internship for like three months did that got the job after two months and then worked for them for like a year and a half and that was just really interesting to like learn about all of this business marketing knowledge that I had never, never put myself through. Like I had no idea. I was so naive to the whole marketing. That would be really good. Startup. Yeah. You would have learned like crazy. It was just, when I first started, I was client facing whilst doing like creative briefs. Mm. I'd never client faced before, like in that type of, in that type of way. But yeah, really great team, really great um, sort of collection of people that were, coming from a lot of different backgrounds as well. Like we had someone that was in pharmacology. We had someone that used to be um, uh, a Sparky. We had people that were in the music industry. So there was a whole bunch of people that had never really been in a marketing background that were just learning as much as they can and trying to, yeah, do the best job that they can as well. So, yeah, I did that. Um, Yeah, uh, at the end of 2020, I started there December twenty. 20 on the first um, oh really and yeah did that until uh, the beginning of this month when i quit um to start a new job but it was just it was just a really interesting period just learning how to sell how to how to put ads together um working with like graphic designers working with uh, other marketers are you still doing marketing now i'm still doing marketing but i'm doing it for a dance company so i'm about oh. to join sydney dance company and their marketing Ooh. as well so i'm now merging merging yeah merging the two and seeing what i can learn and bring forth to i guess dance in sydney and australia and the world yeah because sydney dance company is world renowned as one of the best contemporary companies out there so you're still in the game with um, i'm dancing. still in the game yeah i'm still in the game um but yeah that's sort of the backstory of how i'm where i am at at the moment yeah um and it's one of those things where you never, I never thought I'd ever be here. You know, I have clear memory, like very, very, very clear memory of people asking me when I was like 12, 13, 14, just starting to dance. And also to anyone who's asking a 14 year old, what do you want to do when you retire from dancing? It's just not a question you should be asking any 14 year old at all. Because one. Is that what they're asking? Yeah. I remember being asked like when I started dancing 12 from 12 years old, it's what like, are you what are you going to do when you finish dancing? I haven't even started. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even started dancing yet. You already asked me to think, first of all, all right, I'm finished my dance career. What do I want to do next? I have zero clue. 
I've just made the decision to 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 go to a performing arts high school yeah. and start dancing. So, yeah, it was always one of those things where I never really knew where I'd end up. I always thought I'd still be in dancing, some way or fashion, whether that be teaching and um, coaching. So, which so what happens when they say retire from dancing? Is it because people get injured a lot, or is it because there's a whole a whole you get bunch harder of to dance as you? Yeah, dance. that's part of it. Um, but there's a whole bunch of different things that people, I think, uh, sort of struggle from when they decide to stop dancing. One, it could just be, you know, your body cannot physically handle the amount of strain and force that you're putting on your body every day. You know, it's... Nine to five. Oh, it's five a... Five days a week. It's not even a nine to five. It's a, it's a 24-7. You know, it's... I compare ballet dancing or any type of dancing to any, any physical sport that's out there. You're a high-performance athlete. Sweat, sweat, high performance athlete. Sweat, baby, sweat. Sorry, I just had to make that. <laughs> Anytime I say high performance athlete, there's this sound bite from Danny Ricardo that it just lives in my head rent free and it's fantastic. Uh, you but love F1. I love F1. I could sit and watch. It's about to start this weekend. I'm so excited. <laughs> we'll get to that at another point. But um, yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of different things. You know, you're a high performance athlete as a dancer. You have to take care of your body. You have to take care of your nutrition. Like, be careful about what you're eating and everyone's different. You also have to look at, you know, rehab, you know, recovery, what you're doing to make sure that you can be dancing at 100% the next day and 100% the next day and 100% the next day. So a lot of people just age out. Their body just can't take it and that's just genetics. You know, you can do things to help your body like physio and just all of that strengthening, Pilates, um, canesthetics, all that stuff. But, yeah, your body at one point is just going to go, like, I can't do it anymore. Two, um, there's a lot, a lot of mental health, mental strain that goes on as a dancer. You know, you're constantly working to this idea of looking perfect. Mm. And you're doing that from a very, 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 very young age. And you're being assessed on whether you look good by a standard of what has been created for many, many, many years. You know? Yeah, I get what you mean. Ballet is, like, it's a very historical art form so it's about physique as well as technique of the dance yeah physique and technique and that physique has got a social look has been a look that's been created by ballet which is is being broken down as we speak like it's been a few years and it will continue to take a few more years but the physique of a ballet dancer is no longer what you think of which is skinny you know very thin why is that elegant well you got to be able to do all of these you know, very difficult movements, you also have to be strong. So mm. how can you be, you know, petite and thin and still be, you know, really strong to be able to do all of these things? I get what you mean. So the whole thing of, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different um, mental health illnesses that are affiliated with dancing, like bulimia, anorexia, you've got, you know, depression, anxiety, all of this stuff that dancers, men and women, on all sides are affected with um, body dysmorphia, all of that stuff. So before you go out, is everyone always nervous? Like, oh, what's everyone going to think? Or are they like in the zone, like no, ready? You're in the zone. You're, you're really thinking, you're just comfortable at that point. If you're about to go on stage, depending, I'm, you know, I'm just talk, talking general here, but at that point, you know, you just feel very comfortable. Your body knows what it's doing. You've done the training, you've done the rehearsals done the rehearsals in the costumes with the lights it, it, it all works you know it works you just have to go out there and trust yourself mm. dance for you 
um, and yeah, make sure the audience just has a great time. You know, that's all Ooh. performing is. So you got to actually entertain. Like you got to, you don't just do your thing. You got to yeah. think like what's happening out yeah, there. Yeah, you got to be thinking how am I presenting my face and my body to the audience? Where am I? Where am I facing at this point? Um, you know, you got to think about your makeup, how your costumes look, all of that stuff, as well as the movements in and itself. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, that's what performing is, I feel, for, for, for yeah, ballet. Wow. Yeah. That was informative for me. Even Very informative? Story. Yeah. Good. Um, I was going to talk about training for ballet as well because, like, I've done a lot of different types of training. And, uh, and when I talk about training now, I mean, like, gym. Mm. Um, Before that, i got one question. Yep. So what made you jump into such a jam-packed world of, like, that you – Everyone knows it's sort of like an extreme, like there's the stress that's associated. Like you, mm-hmm. everyone knew all that stuff prior. Yep. What drove you to be like, nah, I'm going to do it anyway and I'm going to leap in, wake up so early, go to this school that's so far away and like what gave you that passion for it? It was just fun. Like when you go out dancing with your friends, you know, most people go out dancing, it's just like on a Saturday, Friday night, they're just going to the club, they're having a, having a good time. Yeah. That to me, I was like, I want to do that every day. Like, I want to wake up and I want to be dancing every day. I want to feel this type of joy. So it was, I guess, the pursuit of, it sounds so silly, but it's like the pursuit of happiness. I was so happy when I was dancing, even though it came with all of those different things. But I would sort of dealt with that. You know, you sort of deal with, I guess, I did soccer before I did dancing. I did swimming before I did dancing as well. So I was doing a mixture of team sports and individual sports um, where you're either working yourself to you know perform the best or you're working collectively as a team to perform the best. And I found it more fun to do swimming than soccer. Like when I was a kid, I would love uh. to go to swimming rather than go to soccer. I could like swim all day instead of going out on a Saturday morning at 9am and running around for however long I had to run around with. It just wasn't fun for me. Because it, it was all on you? Like you had the responsibility yeah, of everything? I had the, I had the choice of how my performance was going to go. You know, mm. however, however else everyone else was doing, didn't matter. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it was, it was me who was... You did the training, you did the, the... training. Whatever it was. Exactly. To perform. So I liked the fact that I could do that and the end result was all down to me. So take that from swimming, put it into dancing. It was just a different way for me to focus um, and work on on all of those things, whether it was technique in the dancing or the discipline of getting up early, stretching, eating correctly, going to my classes on time every week, every day, every – for years. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just – I think it was just that drive that pulled me, to be honest, just because I just had so much fun – first dance class that I ever did I did some jazz and I was like this is sick also it's you know I was the only boy in the whole dance class I was like there's like 20 other girls here I was like there's no boys I was like I'm, I'm just gonna have fun with it like whatever and uh, yeah I got to be the center of attention because you know when you when you're the only boy in a whole room of, of girls and they make dances you know and they make dances up you know, they gotta put you in the middle 
So I was uh, like, this is great. I get all the attention. I'm having fun. And it so was when you went there, were you like, all right, who's going to be here? That's it. Or did you know that it's mostly girls? Yeah, I knew that it was mostly girls because my sister had been doing dancing when she was like three years old. Yeah. Um, so at this point, she was around five years old and I'd gone to see a few of her performances and you know, when I'd had to go drop her off for, for her dance classes. And yeah, I just would see there was one, maybe two boys in, in the classes and I was like, oh, I could have some fun with this. Yeah. So yeah, fun fact, Gus... My brother, Angus, he also did dancing, I think, for about a year. And then after he, he did that, he was like, nah, I'm, I'm sticking with... Oh, he did dancing? Yeah, yeah, he did. He was uh, famous for doing the splits. He could do the middle splits. He can't do them now. <laughs> I was going to ask. Yeah, no, definitely not with uh, his condition. But um, yeah, he, he, he also tried dancing. Did he? Bit. Yeah. Wait, did he got injured or something, hey? Yeah, he, he's fractured. Um, yeah, he's fractured his... Uh, his shoulder there's like a bit of bone that was originally attached <laughs> when they did the first reconstruction of his shoulder now that part has bo- like broken off so what they have to do is they have to like graft bone and muscle and put two screws into his shoulder so yeah that's going to take like that's on the 8th of September yeah that period will take like four weeks and then he'll have to do rehab which will be six to eight weeks so he's not going to be training for about four to five months. Wow. No football, no training, nothing. You got to take care of his mental health. <laughs> take care of everything. Yeah. But yeah, mental health, for sure. He'll have to take care of that. So then now we can go on to the training format for dancing. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I started pretty late when I started training for dancing. Um, when I was at high school, we used to do circuit classes. So once a week, um, there was a circuit class that we would do in a studio. There'd be twenty. Di- it's like F forty five. There's like twenty different spots. So they'd go. Oh, you just do a new station. Just new station every time. So you know you'd go from doing box jumps to doing some shoulder presses to doing boxing to doing bench to do, like a whole myriad of things um, that were really good for for dancers and. This is, yeah, when I first started doing ballet. So I was 15. Yeah, when I was 15 to 16, we did that. And then I started going to the gym and just doing a lot of high high rep, low weight. I can't remember exactly what that's called. Um, I'll leave it to the experts of UHP to tell you what type of training that is. Oh, uh, you're just doing like volume training? Yeah, volume training. How high rep? Um, I'd probably do 12 to 15 reps, maybe yeah. 20 reps. But yeah, again, it was like... Very, very, very low weight. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my training also just came naturally. You know, as I was learning how to do things, you just you just do them. And, you know, when you're a kid, you're growing, you're going through those years, you just have so much energy. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, it's three o'clock. I need a coffee or a nap. Yeah. <laughs> but back then it was just like, let's go for as long as we can. So, you know, a lot of um, pas de deux, which in ballet is terms for dancing with a partner, um, when you're doing pas de deux training, you know, you're with girls and you're trying to do um, lifts. So, you know, I'd be squatting myself, my weight, body weight, plus another girl, which would be, you know, anywhere between 40 to 80 kilos, depending on you know, who you were partnered with. And, you know, I'm lifting them above my head. I'm doing presses, so like shoulder presses. Um, and, yeah, 
40 to 80 kilo. Yeah, well, depending on, you know, how, how they were structured, how much muscle they had on them. So you had to 80 kilos. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you'd have to do a one-arm press, but that was like... Do they jump with you? Yeah, yeah. You've got to you've got to have coordination. There's a lot a lot of coordination. Um, the big the biggest rule was always lift with your legs. You mm. never lift with your arms. Never, never, yeah. never, never. So what? That's locked out in your legs. Yeah. Well, you you lift you lift with your legs as you jump. You know, for example, if you're doing an overhead press, you lift yeah. as you push, and then sort of once you've locked out with your legs, and just whoop, push yeah. up with your arms and then once that's locked out you're set you just hold everything in place and wow. move around the stage and while you're doing this you're usually walking or sort of running at the same time um you have to m- go from a stationary place on the stage and walk you know 10 with meters someone. yeah so you're doing like a dead carry of 80 kilos for 10 meters across a stage and then lower them down slowly and then place Elegant. them elegantly um so yeah, it was it was through you know fifteen to seventeen that period of time I was just being exposed to a lot of different types of training that I'd never done before, um, and being experienced to yeah the gym for the first time sort of uh, you know I'd done weights at home with little dumbbells and stuff like that but never really conditioning stuff for for ballet specifically. Yeah. Um, then when I went to South Africa, they had you know a gym within the, the, the studio. And there used to be a couple guys, we'd go down together and I'd just sort of do the same thing that I'd learnt at high school. You know, I yeah. never, never really put too much thought into it. I was like, this is what I've done. The high this volume work? Yeah, the high volume work. I started doing a little bit more load because when you join a company, you do a lot of different roles. And so yeah. I could be dancing with group of people which would be the quarter ballet for one night and then i could be doing a soloist role so it'd just be me and one other person i'd still have to dance with them do some pas de deux um but it's a very different type of of dancing when you're doing you know that type of role because then you're not on stage throughout the whole performance yeah so yeah i was doing um a little bit more load so higher weight less rep um and i did that for the period of whilst i was you know dancing dancing in south africa um when I went to America, they didn't really have a gym there, and I did, I got injured um, on my my shin. Um, so on your I, shin? Yeah, I hit. It's really easy to get injured, yeah. <laughs> obviously, when you're dancing. You're bashing your body around. Oh yeah. I just came down one day on on like a hardwood floor. It's hit my shin really badly on the floor, and I I had like bruised nerve damage. Shin on the sure floor. I, yeah, shin on the How? floor. Doesn't it go on knee and foot, or was it on the side? Yeah, it was like on the side. Uh, the floor was like. Not the best floor that okay. we were dancing on as well. So it just depends on like what your environment is. Yeah. But yeah, I got into there and I wasn't really training. I was doing more rehab stuff. So my training sort of went down before I came back to Australia. And then obviously once COVID sort of hit, that just like shut down everything. So I only really had what I had at home. And yeah. I was very lucky. We had TheraBands. I had, you've seen, I've got a whole collection of dance, dancer rehab <laughs> things. Yeah. Got my rollers, got my massage balls, got my spiky oh, balls. It. It's fantastic. I tell everyone, I'm like, you need to get this and this and this and this mm. and you'll be sweet. Um, but yeah, like my brother had uh, a few uh, weight plates, a few different dumbbells and, and, and a, um, a bench press as well. So I was lucky to do to do that at home. Um, and Sort of just stuck to like Pilates and bodywork stuff. But yeah, when I saw Angus 
join X Gym and sort of saw his progression over, I think it was like over the six weeks. He'd been complaining for so long, I can't put on weight, um, I can't build muscle, I'm eating so much. And after mm. working with Nathan, I was like, this man's getting some pecs now. Yeah. And see, it's like, it's scaring me because he's getting bigger than me. And I need to prove my dominance. <laughs> I need to assert myself as yeah. the older male brother of this <laughs> partnership. So I was like, all right, Gus is getting some results. I'm pretty keen to test training in a very different way. I wanted to train still with a bit of functional fitness and like mobility so that yeah. I could still dance. But I was like, I, I want to put on some muscle. I want to bulk up and look good yeah so yeah that whole this whole experience this year has just been a, a very it's completely new like i'd never sort of i've never done anything like this where it's been so involved with nutrition and exercise at the same time which is yeah really interesting. I thought, thought you would have done that when you're over at dancing i just it was just life i didn't think of it it wasn't it wasn't anything that was separate to what i was doing it was uh, just yeah. part of the process. Yeah. You know, that's why I said ballet dancers are like high performance athletes. And I'll, I'll sort of, sh- uh, I'll compare it to like an F1 driver. Yeah. F1 driver, I mean, they've got chefs, they've got personal trainers, um, they've got like their own personal, I guess, assistant everywhere yeah. they go. But they are looking at what they're eating so that they're not going over a certain amount of weight so that they can perform so they don't add any weight to their car, you know. They've got um, their exercise and then rehab as well, and that's just making sure that they can physically handle, you know, what they're doing. Um, and then, I mean, they get paid a, an exorbitant amount of money as well, so that helps for them pay for everything. Yeah. But dancers pretty much have to do the same thing. They've got to make sure that they're eating a certain amount so they can fit into their costumes for one and then also be able to dance and be partnered um, so they don't injure themselves. As well. Yeah. And um, be able to still perform, do the different moves. Exactly. Yeah. Feel themselves, especially if you've got a double performance day. If you've got a performance on at 11 and then you also have a performance on in the evening, you've got to making sure that your body can handle that amount of stress, that amount of performance throughout one day. How often does that happen? Uh, depending on how many performances you do. So, for example, for us, we would do two weeks of shows um, and you would do shows from Tuesday to Sunday. So you'd have Monday off, sometimes Thursday. How often does that happen, that you do a two-week stint? Two-week stint, every three months. Oh, yeah. And that was just my company. Some some companies do two performances, like two seasons, on at the same time. So they'll be doing two different ballets over a month. So you could do doubles a lot then? Yeah. So for us, we would do double shows twice a week. So you do a matinee show and then an evening show. That would generally happen either on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and then on a Sunday. Because you've got schools that would come in and you also have a lot of the, um, I guess, older population that yep. would like to come to matinees just, just so you can give them the options. So then what happens? Are they, even when you're not performing, they pay you for a certain period of time and then when you're performing, it's just all part of that whole yep. thing? Yep. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. it's just every day. It's like, it's like clocking into a nine-to-five. Yeah. You go in, do your class, you, you warm up, do your class, do your rehearsals, um, or if it's a performance, then you go in, do your warm-up, do your class, and then do your performance. Yeah, so you're an athlete. Yeah. Literally the same. Athlete, it's just you're dancing. Yeah. And you're on stage, just taking taking people to a different place. Yeah. Showing them in a different way artistically. 
is that how they sort of really drive to you when you're in training? Like, all right, you've got this is how you capture the audience. This is how you, um, or is it all about technique, technique, technique? Yeah, it. We we call it technique and then artistry. So everyone has the technique, and there there are two different ways. I guess you can sort of label a dancer. They can either be really technically capable or they can be really artistically capable. And the fine line is to find technique and artistry at the same time. You want to make what you want to make something that's really hard look really easy and good at the same time. So the difficulty was yeah, putting the technique to to the mm. movement and make then what's hard look really look easy. Really easy. Yeah. Okay. If you watch me do my high bar calf race squats the other day, I made those look so easy, but they were hard. <laughs> Although mm. I did every single set and every single rep perfectly. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's the same thing. You just, I guess rugby players aren't making rugby look easy. That just yeah. looks hard all the time. Yeah. But in a certain way, like you can't, you can't run into two oncoming <laughs> defending players and that not look, you know, easy it's gonna look hard but they make it look like they can just slam into all someone day. all day get knocked down get back up again and keep Go going again and like that to me and the is crowd's amazing. like yeah, yeah. The crowd's like, oh my god that's amazing yeah like, so many so many athletes do it so yeah that that's the difficult part is like finding that fine line of artistry to to make it look soft or to make it look you know really energetic when you need mm. to there's different accents of artistry that got to put on depending on what the dance is or what the movement is is that where strength comes into play like being stronger makes it easier to convey that this is easy doing this really hard move yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it it's not just strength like i talk about it a lot you've seen me i've run some some stretch classes mm. i'm talking about flexibility mobility mm -hmm. um the strength within mobile movements you know yeah. you need to be using your muscles you need to be using the strength to be able to be flexible you can't yeah. just stretch and then be flexible Leave and not it, be able yeah. to hold it. You know, you got to have the muscles to be able to hold that flexibility. So, yeah, a lot of that um, as well. That's like a myth. It's like, oh, you can just be flexible and dance. It's like, well, can you be? Can you, you know, hold your leg at 175 degrees above hip height? You know, 45 yeah. degrees above above hip height, and then hold it there for three seconds? No, but yeah. you know, these these dancers, they can, and that's yeah. because they're strong. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like someone could probably throw their leg up there yeah. and then back down again, but yeah. it's like. Right, throw it up and hold actually it. slowly get it up yeah hold it there and, and then, then slowly bring it yeah in. yeah and that's like i watch that and i'm still i can't do that i watch it and i'm like that's amazing how many hours did you train <laughs> what yeah. do you do to do that like how do you how do you train to do that and everyone will do different things everyone's body's different so every answer is different as well but that's that's like the beauty of dance yeah no, no one dancer is going to be the same as another dancer and that's why people love watching dancers especially famous ones because they've got that unique quality that makes them them. We all have that unique quality that makes us who we are. Yeah. But they really, I guess, capitalize that on stage. They really know how to bring that out and to perform that to the audience. Um, and yeah, it's it's gorgeous to watch. And then what's the, I guess you could say, dancing goals from this point forward? What are you, are you trying to dive more into the marketing for the dancers? Are you trying to do dancing yourself? Are you I don't know. I've got a lot of different thoughts about what I want to do in dance. Um, I've got a few friends, actually, Hannah, she works, um, she does musicals. Uh, she, she, yeah, she joins a musical troupe that do musical theater out in, um, I guess, 
Western Sydney. So I really want to get involved in that. I'd love to be on stage like musical theatre because that was originally my goal. I was originally going to do sort of jazz, uh, more the commercial side of dancing uh, where it's like auditioning for music videos or dancing really? on TV for ads or going into musical uh. theatre. So the people that are, you know, performing down in, in Melbourne or in Sydney doing a bunch of different performances, that was like the, the road that I was going to go to. And then I fell in love with ballet. Yeah. Uh, and then I went I went a different route. So, yeah, my thoughts are how maybe maybe I could do that just locally. You know, and that's great because yeah. who doesn't love local theatre, you know, support local arts. Um, but then also, you know, joining Sydney Dance Company, that just opened so many doors, both nationally and internationally. Are they um, international? Well, they travel international. Oh, travel international, So, yeah. you, once you, you start travelling internationally, that turns you into an international dance company. And yeah. they, they're phenomenal. They sell out shows all in France. Like last year they did um, a tour, and I could be wrong, but they did a tour to Italy and they did a tour to France and they were selling out shows like all throughout Europe, which is amazing. Like wow. Amazing. You, now that's your job. You got to try and sell out those shows. Well, you yeah. got to get those tickets. Pretty much. Bums yeah. on seats. Yeah. So yeah, it's that, that for me is a lot of different interesting ways how I can sort of help bring dance more into the forefront of, I guess, the social norm. Like, people look at dance and I don't think they fully understand how much, you know, that part of, of culture is integral to society. Like, I, I don't think they realise how important it is for us as well as dancers or as an ex-dancer, how important it is for people to be, I guess, what are the words I'm looking for? I guess... Uh, to see that reciprocation of like what other people do, what other athletes do, the same in, in the dance space. You know? Yeah. People love footy players, people love soccer players, people love race car drivers, people love extreme snowboardists. Um, and there are a lot of people that love dance as well, but I feel like it's just not as important as, you know, what people think it is. And yeah. my thing is dance was dance was around before language was even invented. Like people used to dance to communicate. Um, across cultures across all of the world, if you go back far enough, every indigenous culture has dance within their culture itself. So it's been an integral part of how we communicate, and it still will be until we're long gone. You know, there's something yeah. else. So yeah, I just for me, I I, I want to bring more of an awareness to the importance of dance, and then also yeah, help I think start talking about just these things that are happening within the dance world, mentally, mental health within dance, um, physical health within dance, like social norms within dance. Um, and especially for like a lot of guys, a lot of guys and, and girls, everyone. But yeah, a lot of guys get, um, I think, bullied for dancing, especially, you know, young age. And that's changing. But yeah, I definitely want to have more of an involvement to push dance into a new space where it's growing um, within 2022 and beyond like yeah i want to have that that sort of movement with it yeah see how i can help sydney dance company grow in that way you know wow I mean? well that's yeah. next week isn't it yeah monday you excited i'm i can't wait it's gonna be so awesome well when's their when's their first show since you start um they have a show on this weekend um i think the next show will be in september this is terrible. I didn't do any research about any of this before I came onto the pod, but I think yeah, it's I think it's in September. Um, 
yeah, using the rest of August and September to get that all ready and then get Jeez. going. I know, but I think my what I'll be focusing on is next year because I think they've already got everything done for this yeah, year. Yeah, in terms of marketing. Yeah, in terms of marketing, a few things here and there. But yeah. in terms of next year, like they've got putting on shows and putting ideas together and what they want to do. So it'll be about coming up with campaigns and how we can, yeah, how we can sort of do that successfully. But you're still involved, and we'll go to the last question. Yep. Your training goals from just like with um, dance and how you want to move forward with that. What's your training goals in terms of training? Yep. What do you want to achieve? Short, long-term th- goals? I think short-term goals... Oh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a really loaded question. I really it like is. this question. Like Long-term, short-term, overall, oh, it's so good. Um, if I can think back to the goals that I put on the board. So there's yeah. a board in X-Gym. It's got everyone's goals on it. It's really motivating to look yeah. at, honestly. Like I look at that and I see how many names are on this board and how many people are like working towards this. I'm like, oh, so good. Like so many people just like yeah. working towards all of this. Like it's really cool. So I think I put, I want to squat 160 by the end of the year, but Ooh. I don't know. Oh, that's a heavy number. One's eh? <laughs> good though. It's nah. big. Um, I think I want to deadlift 150 and I want to bench 65. Bench yeah, is boy. probably my sticking point. But yeah, those are my, those are my goals just in general. Uh, however long it takes for me to get those, no, it's I'm perfect. Because um, didn't you before, how much barbell work did you do before you were with um, Nathan in terms of like technique and whatnot? I'd done a lot of bench stuff. I'd done quite a bit of flat, like flat back on bench. Yeah. And then I'd done overhead shoulder press stuff with, yeah. with a barbell. But coming to X-Gym, the sort of technique is totally different. So that just threw sort of everything out. Well, some things out of like just totally out of the box, and I just had to learn brand new. So, yeah, yeah it's it's taken me some time for it to click. Um, hey, but on Max out there, you went hard, bro. Max out there, I went nuts. We <laughs> all did. Yeah, I think Andrew went the most nuts because he did like what forty kilos extra. Yeah, he 50 did fifty kilos extra. Yeah, oh, this man deserves, <laughs> deserves an award. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the energy on Max out there was epic. Yeah, I wasn't ready for the back slap, but after getting one, I was like, oh, this is addicting. <laughs> you like the pain? One more. <laughs> Bang. Absolute pain. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's just overall goals for me. Like I'm not, I'm not really bothered on weight. I'm just more bothered on how I'm looking. Um, and I can notice the differences already. Like I've caught a lot on my love handles. I think my love handles was like the most insecure part of the weight that i'd gained after yeah. stopping dance it's like oh, I, need, I need to get these love handles well I, lo- I love them but don't I worry need, i need I to ha- i need to handle the these up. i need yeah. to handle these yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably the worst pun i'll say today to be honest i need to handle these yeah i'm gonna handle these but yeah i've noticed like you know my waist area has been slimming down i'm feeling more strong like in my shoulder not as weak um yeah. as i was so yeah it's just for me, it's just building on that, building on physically how I look, aesthetically how I look. I've got a photo from when I was in like prime dancing performance that I look at and I'm like, this is a goal. But yeah. I don't want to hold myself accountable to that because I was doing very, very, very different things in terms yeah. of how I was living my life and how I was active all day. So, yeah, it's just re-synergizing, I guess, what my goal is now, you know, with how I'm doing things. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, it's just it's just cutting that building size can absolutely swole. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on. It's Thank you very much, Dan. It's been absolutely epic. I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, it'll be yeah. good. We'll see. We'll see how that progress is going. <laughs> yeah, awesome. next time I'll have to do a weigh-in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sweet. All right. All right. See you, see later. you later.